Whether you're looking for a convenient refresher course, or a way to earn your Pragmatic certification at your own speed, or the chance to take a Pragmatic course from your specific corner of the world, then Foundations On Demand is the solution you need. Get the same great content, tools, and templates our Foundations course is famous for in a flexible and easy-to-use online learning platform. Learn the skills you need to build and market products people want to buy. And earn your Pragmatic Institute certification anywhere, anytime. No more travel worries, no more time zone issues, just truly great training. Experience the new way of training with Foundations On Demand from Pragmatic Institute. Visit pragmaticinstitute.com foundations to learn more. And welcome to the Pragmatic Product Chat Series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I am Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing and Product Strategy at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. Today, we are joined by Diane Pearson, Founder and Chief Market Strategist for Innovate on Purpose and longtime Pragmatic Instructor, as well as good friend. Welcome, Diane. Hey, Rebecca. So glad to be here. All right. So today's podcast is on a topic near and dear to both of our hearts, product launches. And I think one of the things I'm talking with you in prep for this is you have a really interesting perspective on why these product launches, why they sometimes fail, things that we may not have thought about. So we're going to dig right into that today. And I'm very excited. But before we do, Diane, for those people who've not had the opportunity to be with you in classroom, let's talk a little bit about your history and how you got where you are. Well, I started with a company several years ago as a marketer and a product manager, and nobody really knew what that was. So literally, we were putting it together, making it up as it went along. But my background is primarily in both product management and product marketing. So I've, I've done a little bit of both for companies that build software, data and analytics for finance departments, law, lawyers and law firms, marketers. So a lot of data analytics and software solutions and did that for several years. As I did that, I made a lot of mistakes. And we're going to talk about a lot of my mistakes, <laughs> a lot of them. But I also learned from them. And what I realized is, you know, there's a, there's a pattern to doing this work that if you follow this pattern, things go better. You get things done better. You're more market focused and you have more success more often. A lot of that was because I took pragmatic training way back when in my career, but then I was so thrilled to be a pragmatic institute full-time instructor for five and a half years. And that gave me a perspective using all of that knowledge with company after company, so many diverse businesses to just really reinforce the fact that these patterns exist. And, and if, you, if you leverage that knowledge of the market and who you want to be, it, it really works. Launches, oh, I launched... I don't even know. I, I think at one point I tried to figure out, I think about 125 products in my oh, career, wow. a, a lot of launches and helped a lot more people as an instructor. But I love launch. Launch is exciting and it's also terrifying, which I think is why everybody wants to get it right, but is so scared of it. So I, I love to talk about launch. And, and that's how I got where I am today as a market strategist with Innovate on Purpose, still doing some teaching, but but helping companies implement, execute, 
making it a reality, right? So let's yeah. talk about making it a reality with product launches, right? Sales teams trained, press releases approved, everything is ready, right? We're ready to launch, right? We're ready. Ready. So I think one of the things you talk about is that there are certain groups that people too often forget in getting it ready. We, there's the obvious ones that we, you know, at least hopefully everyone listening remembers, right? The sales team and, and uh, marketing communications and, and working with product management and product marketing, like they're, they're the groups we really focus on. But there are other really key groups that if we don't include them, right? If they're forgotten about, then we're going to fail. Yeah, absolutely. This, this forgetting about some of the teams that are really important, that are part of the actual team that's necessary for launch, you know, there are several things that can, that can challenge a launch, but that's one of them. It's just forgetting, oh, whoops, we forgot that. Right. And it can really have some massive impact. I, I will share some with you, if, if, you know, depending on how, where we go with this. Absolutely. All right. So what are some of the teams most often forgotten? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and it depends on the organization, how much regulation you have, uh, how many markets you have. But from my experience, there are some patterns there. One of them is legal. Another one is channel partners or our mm. external partners, mm -hmm. customer service and finance. Those are, those are the four I see a lot. So let's talk about those. Like why is legal and the legal team such an important thing to remember when we're talking about launches? You know, the, the legal team is so important, obviously, because they write the contract or the T's and C's, mm -hmm. but they also do things like make sure you're not violating patent or copyright oh, laws. They, oh, okay, that was illegal. We're getting sued. High level regulatory compliance. If you are a highly regulated industry, there's all sorts of people on your law legal team, but at a high level, there are some just basic things that they're going to take a look at. Here's the thing with legal is from the perspective of a product marketing manager, they know things we don't know we don't know. Mm. And that's why having them involved is really important. But here's, here's the consequence sometimes that we just think, well, okay, I'll go talk to legal and they'll tell me what I need. But they need context about the market and its problems, the buyers and how they buy, how this launch is going to go, your 90-second launch strategy. They need that because if they don't have that context, they're going to do a standard investigation. They're going to do a standard review and they're going to create a standard contract. Oh, I'm going to tell you, about, here's an epic fail that I nice. had. I, my very first product that was a product launch, new product launch, I stumbled into getting involved in this project that was a huge success. I mean, I was so lucky to get attached to this project. It was brilliant. This product actually could help our customers who were in the finance departments of you know, big manufacturers, software companies, they bought a lot of things from other companies and, and they sold things, of course. Well, sometimes they got defrauded mm. because of the company I worked for. It was an information company, analytics company. We actually figured out how to identify not just credit risks, but actual fraudulent companies like bust outs and serial bankruptors. Uh, no, that's, well. that's a thing. I mean, it was really, really cool. And so this product, everybody was waiting for it. The market was, the salespeople were, everybody was. But I hadn't given our legal team any context on this. And so they wrote a contract that was like a one-off contract for a product. And because it was a risk product and a fraud product, it was massive. It was 27 pages long. Oh, wow. For an oh, add-on? Oh. Yeah. It was an, and it was an add-on. But I didn't give them that context. 
And so these things were getting sold. They were getting the commitments, but the contracts languished for mm. months. Mm. We had one that was 18 months oh. because the lawyers at the customers loved nothing better than to redline these contracts. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I got back together with the team and we got the, the legal team involved. We, we, lock, we locked ourselves in a room for a Friday and a Saturday and we got this contract down to four pages. But, you know, that's the kind of thing that can happen. Yeah. Boom. And that, that absolutely affected your revenue numbers, right? Oh. The, the length of time it took for those contracts to get through. You probably had some lost deals. We're like, well, that's a lot, right? I mean, that powerful impact on the launch. Yeah. Those are things you don't want to have happen. <laughs> no. So you also mentioned channel partners. I, I myself have failed with channel partners and just bringing it too late. Bringing it too late and also thinking that they would have the same context and understanding that my internal partners did. Uh, which is silly. I mean, like it doesn't even make, it's not even a defensible stance, right? But in the moments, <laughs> that's where I got. And then, you know, it's such an obvious, but what about you? What about channel partners and why are they so important? And maybe you could save us with a good story because mine is bad. <laughs> I, you know, here I have a good, I do. This, okay. is, this is a good story. What happened with this in particular, we were, we were going to expand a product from the United States to Europe. And we didn't have a big presence. We didn't have a, it wasn't nothing, but we didn't have a big presence. What we also thought might be pretty cool, and we had been approached by one of the very big consulting companies. And they said, you know, we'd love to just put this in our product. So we would pay you. And we thought that sounds like a pretty good way to do this. And my boss was doing the negotiations at a high level. So I was a director and he said, look, I want you to go over there and I want you to become buddies with these people. I want you to get to know them. I want you to share the product even things about the product that don't necessarily go with the deal we're making, but go get to know these folks. And, and I did. And so we communicated regularly, formally and informally. And they said, you know, what we really need to do is have you come back over here because we've got this huge trade show and we're doing a press conference at The Hague. Like, really? <laughs> and, you know, so I thought, well, they want me there to help, you know, coach me, give them the information on the product. And, we, were, you know, they were getting ready to go on stage in front of hundreds of reporters. Wow. And they said, so you're coming, right? Nice. And I did. <laughs> and, and it was a big success. It helped us open that market because we made ourselves accessible and, and built a relationship with them. And my boss was doing a lot of that, too. I mean, but he was just he just knew that it was going to be about the relationship with us. And, and he was totally right. That's awesome. All right. Customer service. I feel for this. I've seen other product people do it. I, I don't think I have, but that doesn't mean they would agree with me. And I feel for it, right? Because there's no one that's going to get on the front line and hear it more than customer service, right? You know, I, I think that's true. And here's the thing though. You know, I think a lot of people think, well, you know, customer service until we actually sell something, why do they need to know about it? I was really lucky. I dodged this bullet because I had worked with a project manager who knew that was a like the bad thing to do. I'm going to I'm going to totally throw one of my friends in the weeds. I'm obviously not going to say this guy's name, but <laughs> but you know who you are. Manager. I mean the guy was super brilliant and he was he was a peer of mine at a company. And it just so happened that that his office was down one hall. I could see all the way down that hall and and between us in this enormous space was all the customer service. It was in-house. Well, he had just launched a product and we were going to go out to lunch with a couple folks and celebrate. And so I can see him literally walking down this giant hallway toward me. And all of a sudden I hear this person, I'm going to clean it up, but 
This person pops out of her chair in customer service and says, who is the idiot who launched XYZ product and didn't bother to tell anybody? And, and you could just, it was like churning and everybody's like, oh man, I thought prop. And he heard it. I watched his face change. <laughs> and he literally, his eyes got as big as saucers and he turned around and ran back to himself. <laughs> no lunch for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, it's, but, but that's the kind of mistake a lot of us would make. I, I would have made, I would have for sure made that mistake if I hadn't been told by somebody earlier. We think customer service can wait because until you sell it, they're not going to support it. But mm-hmm. Customers, once they hear about something, they often ask customer service because they don't want to talk to a sales rep right now. They want to talk to somebody who knows, but isn't selling them. And so whether it's chat, whether it's online or whether it's voice, sometimes that's a way people are testing it out. It, it, we may not even, it's worth, it's worth checking, but yeah, you, you definitely don't want to anger the customer service. <laughs> no, don't do it. Don't do it. All right. We talked about partners. We talked about legal. We talked about customer service. I think you mentioned finance. Oh, I did. Yeah. And here's, here's another epic fail of mine. And it's sad. I'm going to admit this. You know, finance is one of those, those, again, it's, it's not really product marketing managers. We don't often work with finance. Now there are a lot of reasons we should be. That's, that's for a whole Mm -hmm. other podcast, but not once, but twice, two times. I didn't learn the first time. I launched a product without having gotten a product code. Yeah. Now, I knew all about revenue. I was very focused on revenue. I loved the the thrill of people buying my product. But finance likes the thrill of booking the revenue. And you can't book it unless you've got a product code, which turns out, yeah, it's kind of a big deal. So, yeah, not once, but twice. So, (laughs) (laughs) Finance, finance will tell you things like in our industry, you can't offer a buy one, get one free. If you're oh, going to yeah. do that, we've got to recognize the product this way and not that way. And I Revenue remember- recognition is an important thing, I think, for yes. product marketers to understand. And I don't know that we always do. And the implications of different packaging and how it affects the revenue recognition, which is, you know, so are true. people hitting or not their, their forecasted goals? You know, we often end up learning all of that the hard way. We learn that through these types of fails <laughs> yes. like mine. What do you mean I need a product? Think of how smart we're getting, Diane, all our failures. <laughs> I, you know, well, see, this is the thing. Smart people have, I mean, in, in all seriousness, I, you know, these were, these were boo-boos. Yeah. All right. So why, why does it happen? Why do we forget these key people? You know, one of the reasons we forget them is because we're busy doing our job. Hmm. Everybody's busy doing their own job. I mean, it's just natural. We're not going to remember. And, and the, the less you interact with a group, the less likely it is you're going to remember them. The less you understand what that group does, the less likely you are to interact with them. It's just natural. We just do that. Everybody does. Here's the thing, though. It's, it is avoidable. And frankly, I think this is one of the best tools that Pragmatic Institute offers that nobody ever remembers. And that's the readiness assessment tool. Hmm. The way to get around this, and this was a tool that I used later in my career. I actually found this through the content on the site years after I'd taken class. This is a cool tool because what it does is it's a thought process of who does need to be involved. Go see them and ask them, what are you going to need from me in order to make your part of the launch a success? Now, you got to know who those folks are, but you can always say, well, I know these five, so I'll go to them and then I'll ask them who else they think needs to be involved. 
And then I'll ask them who they think. And I know that I'm probably pretty close when I start hearing the same names over and over again. Yeah. You may never get everybody the first or second time, but by the third or fourth, you'll have everybody. And, and certainly with this, not only if you, if you go through that readiness assessment, this is something anybody who's taken launch class, go back and revisit that tool, revisit that content, because you're more likely to include everybody you should at the time that you should, but you're also going to make sure that everything on your to-do list, that checklist for launch mm -hmm. is something that somebody actually needs. So you mm -hmm. don't build a lot of extra stuff nobody's going to use. I love this tool. And it's I a love secret that. weapon for launch planning. I think it's a really good idea too, because like, while we sometimes joke about launches isn't a checklist, it's not just a checklist, right? And there are, are layers and pieces, but it is. And like checklists are important. Doctors use checklists to make sure they cut the right leg, right? Like, yes, because that would really be. <laughs> right, I mean, but also like they can get unwieldy to your point. They can be long and you sometimes you can't see the the forest through the trees. And so the readiness assessment both helps you kind of maintain the right level of checklist, but be able to zoom exactly. out and be like, if this is my status, where are we? Where do we need extra help? And where are we ready to go? So. That's, that's exactly right. Launch isn't, it's not the same every time. It's not a checklist, but you will have a checklist. Oh, and you should. Yeah. Don't let anyone play. Yeah, you, you will. It's just too much stuff. Otherwise you miss things. And if you miss the same thing twice, that's the most frustrating thing. You miss it once, you're like, oh. It is. The second time, product product code. Uh <laughs> yeah, like, like product code, you know, something like that. Just miss it once. No. <laughs> awesome. All right. So we talked about launch. Everything we've said is about launch. But we also talk a little bit about in the class about the difference between a launch and a release. So I mean, I think it's always good to remind people what the difference is because people still have confusion. But is this problem distinct or different when you're talking about a launch or a release? Well, you know, actually a launch and a release, the launch is always the market-facing communications. The release is a technical term. And so all launches are releases and all releases might have launches. But yeah, that point release, some things are brand new products. Yeah. And that's a yeah. big launch. Yeah. But what about 3.1? What about 4.2? eight, whatever it might be. The two that come to mind, first of all, again, customer service. Yeah. Because too often when we have those, those point releases, the launch itself is smaller. It's low key. It might even be, you know, if you ever, uh, when you pull up Zoom, for example, and it says, hey, there's a new download. You download it and it has this huge list of stuff that's new. That might be it. Yeah. Well, customer service needs more than that because they need to help people. And we we can often forget. It's like, hey, it's all there. You can re read the release notes, but oh, what if they're shared services for forty products, and every one of them has, you know, or, you know, a new release every two months? I would certainly make sure that they get updated. Mm. The other thing I would also do, though, is coordinate with other product teams. Just reach out to your peers and say, hey, maybe once a quarter or whatever, we we just have a, a couple hour meeting with customer service and remind them of which version we're on, what's happening now. Take a look at what's being asked of customer service. They Almost every company records this, almost every company has, has online chat. You can find that just to make sure that the things are getting answered right and they're not a couple of releases behind. The other thing on that, make sure the chat bot got updated. Oh gosh, just <laughs> I've done that one. Because <laughs> the bot can start sounding stupider and stupider <laughs> if you don't update it. Like, oh, no, that's not available in our product. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and then, here's the other one. In, in point releases, the CEO. Hmm. I have, that seems super 
unintuitive to me. Talk to me about that one. Well, because the CEO isn't talking about the details of the product very often. The CEO is usually out there doing other things. However, the CEO should know what point release your product is on. They should have it, they should have it written down somewhere. Maybe not off the top of their head. You've got a hundred products, they're not gonna know it. They should have it. And their chief of staff or somebody who is close to them should have it. Mm. If somebody asks that question, well, what release are you on anyway now, um, Rebecca, the CEO of the big company? Love it. You want Rebecca to be able to turn to her chief of staff and say, gosh, I think it's, and have the chief of staff be able to tell. <laughs> and, and you'd be kind of surprised at how, how often big game-changing functionality doesn't make it into the speeches of the CEO. Mm. The kind you of what's new thing that help you just makes it feel like regularly changing. I think that's a good point. Exactly. Exactly. So, so no, what you're not going to give them is the detailed release notes. <laughs> no. no way. They love long but, emails. <laughs> yeah, they do. I would love to have this three page release note. Absolutely not. But again, it's just a different type of communication. They need to know. It's just, they, they need to know things like what point release are we on? And what was some of the big game-changing stuff we did last year when somebody asks? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so we talk about all the people we need to get involved. And I had this feeling all of a sudden, like, it's like a lot of people. Like, is it ever t- too many people involved? <laughs> well, you can feel that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and not in a bad way. Like, there's, and I, I guess it's a difference between, like, informed and partnered. But it, it can, I think, sound like, well, that's a lot of people. Yeah, like, really? You really? You know, so... It, I've never seen it. I've never actually seen too many people involved in launches. Sometimes it does feel like it, especially if everybody wants to be attached to it. That mm. first launch I did with the 27 page contract, everybody wanted to be a part of that launch because everybody knew it was a rock star product. But even then, most people are, are if they're going to hang around, they're going to be there. They're, they're either there because they really feel like they've got something to tell you or because they've got a job to do. And whether they're excited or not excited, I haven't seen that. Sometimes it feels like it. Yeah. Here's the thing that I would say is kind of a warning though. And I've had this happen before and not listen to it. It is a warning sign. If you're hearing from a lot of different people who aren't involved in the launch, why you shouldn't be doing it. Or they seem reluctant, especially if this is one of those people your your leadership team listens to, or somebody who's a veteran of the company, somebody who wasn't involved, but leads a lot of other launches. The product may be a good idea. Your marketing tools might be fine, but maybe the timing's wrong. Maybe whatever you have isn't going to beat the competition, or maybe the sales team doesn't think it will. Maybe you didn't get the blessing of this key staff member. If you're getting a lot of pushback from people who aren't involved, but seem to be important Hmm. in the organization, influencers in the organization, take that as a warning sign. Pause and go back to them and say, so, hey, wait a minute. What were you trying to tell me? Right. But they might you didn't say you. that you were thinking you meant, right? Yes. Yeah. You, you should stop for a minute and think about what you're actually doing. Look, and, and adjusting before launch is always better, right? It's hard. We get really attached and we're really excited, but there are often ways we can pivot. We can also set expectations differently. We can do all kinds of things. The, the listening piece is, is good, is very good. I once came into a job and the first thing I had to do was I had to stop a beta that was about to launch. And we had to go to the board to do it. It was not good, but it the, the, the evidence was overwhelming and it was it was really difficult. You never want to do that. It's, no. it's very late to do that. But if you've got if you've got something, if you've got warning signs, 
that may be why too many people are involved in the launch. That may be why. Yeah. It wasn't good, but it was necessary. It was right. Right. But I think one of the reasons people are, you know, many hands make light work. Right. But also sometimes many hands just feels like things are dropping because you don't, you don't have control of all the balls, or at least you don't have eyes on all the balls. Right. Yeah. So when we have these multiple people who can help ease the load, but also help us like it, it, it can feel like things fall through the cracks then. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've seen that or if you have advice for people, but I get both sides of that. I do too. And I, actually, Rebecca, I think that's a really great point that yes, many hands make light work, but Absolutely. there's too many cooks in the kitchen. There are two, yeah. there are two <laughs> about- that are really true. Everybody's hand can't be on the story. You know, like you just can't all be doing that. So yeah. How are you going to make sure that if it's a very legitimate, complex launch, lots of people involved, how are you going to make sure that you're not losing control of the launch? Yeah. Even if you're leveraging this big, great team to get a lot done. I think there are three ways. So the first one is timing. Established product teams, they've got products that have been around a while. It is a point release or it's it's launching into a new market or something like that. It's They don't so much forget people as they might get them all involved all at once. And so timing the involvement is good. Ask people how much time they need to get their part of the job done. If you don't have a product manager, and, and actually that's going to be, I'm going to come back to project managers in a minute. Take a class so that you know how to keep timelines organized. Learn how to use a Gantt chart or, or some of the tools that are available mm-hmm. to do this. Lots of good tools out there to help with that. Pragmatic isn't, isn't, that's not a focus of Pragmatic, but there are lots of good tools and certification programs for project managers. If you've got to do it, go go get some training. Yeah, you got to do it, do it right, man. <laughs> like That's the truth. Exactly. Don't fight it. Yeah. If you own it, you got to do it. And there are lots of ways to make it better and it, it will changes the I know well yeah. you've had you've you've done those two jobs in the past haven't you I know I you sure have, have. <laughs> yes yep, I have too yeah. it's like sometimes it's just all you so yeah but let's talk about that so I would say that's number two the product manager's secret sauce is the project manager yes these are the people who are managing the project the deadlines the constraints the dependencies all of those things that make that smoother, even when you've got a big team, if you can, just ask. It never hurts to ask. Ask for the project manager to be assigned all the way through launch mm. because they're kind of forgetting about launch, but you really need the project manager all the way through if you can. That was something that I, that, that was something I'm pretty proud of. I, I did do that. When I had that in my, my purview, I said, we're project managers is aligned for this project all the way through. But if you don't, it can't hurt to ask. No. Yep. They're worth their weight in gold. Now, here's the other thing. So let's let's say you do have one, you don't have one. Either way, there's a little discussion in the, the launch class at Pragmatic. It, it's just this little bubble on a slide. It's not a rule, but it says trust but verify. Yeah. Here's something that I learned the hard way, and then it really helped me once I learned it. And that is that done can mean different things to different oh, people. That's so true. Oh, what? I, I'm like, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I say it's done. You say it's done. We, we, great. Is it done? It's done. Great. Wonderful. That's done. Let's move on. What else is done? And then we come back later and you say, well, you know what? That's not done. Yeah, it is. It's done. No, it's not. Yes, it is. I did it. But you didn't. Right. <laughs> it's done. I just need to blah, 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 or done, but yeah, no, very different definitions of done. (laughs) This was, I, I had this conversation a lot with sales teams. 
you know, sales folks can get very excited and they should. I mean, and they're, they know when deals are going to close. But I, ha- I had a couple sales reps throughout my career who'd say, yeah, this one's a done deal. And I always knew that was different than done. Because a done deal just means it's probably going to happen. <laughs> and so I would always say, when you say it's a done deal, do we have, we have ink on a contract? We have, no, almost though, just two weeks. Great. <laughs> so stage in the funnel, done deal, before signs. <laughs> well, you know, I had another, this happened with a contract, another, it was this totally different contract. I was working with a cross-functional team and we were doing the whole is your thing done? Is your thing done? Is your thing done? And I had a project manager on this, but it was a, this person was a very new project manager and they were, they were managing the schedule really well, but what they were doing was asking people, is it done? Is it done? Is it done? Yes, 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 yes. Asked the, I think it was the product manager. Hey, is the contract done? Yep. It's done. We didn't ask anything else, but right. that seems like I, it's I hadn't done. seen it. And then a couple of weeks later, I hadn't seen it. And we're kind of getting ready for this thing to go. And I still haven't seen it. So at the, the next meeting, I said, so I need to see that contract because I have it on my list to approve the contract. And so they asked the person again and the person said, well, but you got to get that from legal, right? I mean, I, I gave it to legal to do. Oh, no. Right. Not the same as <laughs> <It's> done. <laughs> it, just, it was just the weirdest possible set of events. Our legal counsel, the one who was assigned to us, was going on maternity leave. And the timing on getting this communicated uh. to this person before she handed off her work, it was like a matter of like a half day. You could not have <laughs> planned this any worse. It just, it fell through the cracks. She yeah. didn't know it was missing. Our person thought she had it. No. And so we had to go scramble and get this contract. I've had a lot of contract scarring. I just see want this. To I feel yeah. like, yeah, there's some legal people out So here maybe like you won't that. have that, but, <laughs> but done needs to be, you'll, you'll be, start asking that question. You will be shocked. <laughs> And terrified at how often the two of you are not talking about the same done. Absolutely. All right. So we've talked a lot. We've spent today talking about, you know, people that product marketing should not forget to include in a launch. But I got to tell you, Diane, sometimes when I'm out doing my Nahito visits, what I hear is that the people who are most often least informed or last informed about a launch is product marketing, which is fascinating. And yet again, I hear it regularly. It's so true. We, you know, we hear this in launch class so much. All of a sudden the product was done and it was on my desk and they were like, how come it's not launched? And I was like, didn't know it was coming. (laughs) Because this is a surprise to me. (laughs) Right. You know, when I, when I was trained as a, as a pragmatic instructor, gosh, almost seven years ago now, my mentor used to call it the trebuchet launch. the, The whole point is that everybody who's been involved all the way through this process until now has been thinking about getting the thing built, not getting it bought. And that's because it's not their job. So we just got to be really fair to those folks. They're not supposed to be thinking about that. But who is thinking about that bridge? Because too often what a trebuchet launches, if you've ever watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail, they use a trebuchet and it's, I I won't talk about what they throw up on this castle, but basically Ah, it's just like a slingshot. It just lands on your desk. (laughs) <laughs> and, and two minutes after it lands, the, your boss and the product marketer and the development team, they're saying, is it launched yet? Is it launched yet? Is <laughs> yeah. it launched yet? Well, they're frustrated. They spent all this time and they're like, it's going to be great. And now there's no revenue. Like no one knows exactly. it exists in the world. How sad for the development team. Yes. And, and you know, they, they worked so hard on this. 
they don't realize that you didn't know it was coming. And also, you know, it's it's true of all of us. We all think other people's jobs are easier than ours. Yeah, yeah. Well, well just know, make hey, a pick a purple color and throw a logo on do. it. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, yeah. It's like, come on. Don't We're like, just drink your Mountain Dew. Code me a product. Chat GPT, you just have it write the whole thing for you. <laughs> How hard could this be? How long could it possibly take? So they don't know our job. And what they do see, it looks you know pretty fun, which always means, well, fun equals easy. Now it's a fun job, but it's not easy. But you shouldn't have to live your life in this fire drill scenario. So there, there are things you can do about it. Here's a story I tell my launch class all the time. And, and it encapsulates the, the way to turn the tables on this a bit. I worked with a product manager. This was when I was managing product management and product marketing. So I had both. And I hadn't been with the company very long at all. I knew this product was coming during my interview process. But the guy who was the product director for it, he came into my office and his face was shining. His name was Tim, Tim, the product manager. And he said, Diane, the product is ready. Oh, wow. Tim, that is so cool. Congratulations. And I said, so... You're, you're launching? He said, yep, yeah, we're going to launch next Tuesday. Wow, that is super cool. And I said, what is Tim? It just so happened that Tim, the product mm-hmm. manager, had Tim, the product marketing manager working with him. So I said, what does Tim, the product marketing manager, have planned? And Tim, the product manager said, he doesn't know yet. <laughs> now, I was oh. so much meaner in those days. I said, oh, bring him in. Let's do this here. <laughs> Oh, let's watch. <laughs> I, I just could, I could not help it. You know, it's like, grab your popcorn. Right. This has got to happen in front of me. <laughs> and so Tim, the product manager went and got Tim, the product marketing manager, he brought him in his face is shining. And he says, the product is done. And Tim, the product marketing manager said, oh, wow, man, that's so cool. Congratulations. And they talked about it, but Tim, the product marketing manager started to realize that by done, he meant like he wanted it out the door. <laughs> and so... Tim, when were you thinking of launching this? And Tim, the product manager, said next Tuesday. <laughs> and, and Tim, the product marketing manager, to his very great credit, said, look. He said, before Diane got here, our CEO has been approving every bit of marketing copy, everything on the website, everything in every sell sheet, everything in every video. Until Diane gets her feet under her, she's still doing that. And she is in Germany for the next 10 days. When she gets back, the first thing she's going to want to do is not do this approving of copy. And he said, you know, we use an outside creative team and we're not their biggest client. We're going to have to get in line. I'm going to have to make an appointment, set up a meeting just to talk to these folks. And by the way, Tim, you know, you remember the last time we launched a product, you wanted to say into this, but you're busy doing other stuff. I think we went back and forth on our last brochure 13 times. Mm. He didn't say, I'm too busy, that's impossible. He gave him the real world examples. This is a really important thing that we don't often do very well. They might think our job is easy and maybe they don't. Maybe they think our job is difficult, but they don't really know what it entails. They don't understand their job. Developers and product managers do a way better job at this than we do. They show the company how long their work is going to take. They show them how much effort Mm -hmm. it is. They size projects. They schedule resources. They build roadmaps. They have backlogs. Most product marketing management teams don't do this for BAU or for launch. My advice is to start doing that. It, It helps you, but it also helps you illustrate to others. There's a jammed up backlog full of stuff here. We've got five people and they're doing all this. I'm not whining. I'm just showing you like everybody else does. 
how the resources are being allocated. Don't wait until you have a Tim and Tim situation on your hand. Yeah. Just bake this into conversations. If you don't know how long it takes you on average to get approvals, if you don't know how much it costs you to build a sell sheet, go find out. Yeah. That's great advice. And tell people. Be Tim, not Tim. So that that's helpful advice. Get a t-shirt to be perfect. All right. This is awesome. All right, Dan, we talked uh, about a ton of different things today all around launches. If you could get our listeners to do two things differently tomorrow based on what we talked about today, what would that be? Boy, so many different things. Number one, use the readiness assessment. Use the planning tool to make sure you do have everybody involved and that you're not doing work you shouldn't do for the launch. So you've got the right people, you're doing the right things. And then I would finish with this piece at the end, which is start making sure people understand what it does take to get a launch done so they can appreciate what you're going to have mm. to do. Mm-hmm. Really, it's, it's just putting that two-way street together, context, alignment, scheduling, success. CAS. CAS. That's our abbreviation for success. Context, oh, alignment, I love right? That. CAS. Yes. Yes. That's the t-shirt. We have, t- we have five t-shirts. You now. could make the last S and H and it could be cash. Oh, I, I mean, Diane, I feel like yeah, we might be into something be- there. <laughs> well, tell you what, cast means cash. That's what right? I, I like it. Awesome. All right, Diane, this was a blast. I know you're coming back because you and I had a hard time narrowing down all the potential topics to talk about, but I am already looking forward to it. I love it when you share your experience, your insights, your successes, your failures. Everybody, everybody loves a good failure. We all have our own. No, and I got a lot. We, we can do that all day. <laughs> but I really, really appreciate you coming on. It's always a pleasure. I absolutely love it. We have so much fun. So this is a treat anytime, Rebecca. Thanks so much. And good luck for everybody out there with your next launch. Absolutely. All right. That does it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. 